Welcome to the Etheric Update. I'm Dr. Katherine Craig, your intuitive guide and transformation teacher for at least these next minutes that we are here together in healing. My mission here on beautiful planet Earth is to help you connect to your divine self, your sacred soul, and your infinite spirit through grace, presence, and love. Now, today is our fifth episode of the Etheric Update for October 2022, and the themes that have emerged for beautiful autumnal October have been exciting me to no end. It has been this eloquent and perfect synergy of energy that is being encapsulated and now thrust out into the ether, waiting for us to just reach up and grab it. For those of you who are new listening in, how this works is each month I work with my team of cosmic guides to reach forward, around, and through the time-space continuum to bring you some insights for the month ahead. As they are delivered to me, I then lovingly gestate these themes and deliver them to you here in a way that will enable you to enact and enliven these themes in your life. That is, if the material is resonating with you. Now, there is no one or right answer. This information is just a way to engage with yourself, your soul, your spirit, your body in new ways that may just open up your life to new possibilities. So just listen in, feel into what's being delivered, and then you can use your powerful mind and body to decide and discern what feels right and best for you. Now, as many of you know, there were many, many planets retrograding in September and beyond. And now I will leave the astrology to the experts in that, but it created a slowing down that was desperately needed by us in order to refine our work and let our hearts and minds rest as we move forward. Last month, we really dove right into some deep stuff that the planetary alignment supported. Some of our themes last month were our opportunity to be born again, or our ability to rise in new ways after periods of gestation. Our reconnection to the known, these periods of gestation then often, aka always, lead to a new birth. It's a constant cycle that never ends. We change and grow and evolve whether we want or desire to. It's all about how we engage and navigate that course. And just a little pro tip, once you master this, life really unfolds in magical ways. And in acknowledging that, we know our creativity, our ability to create and manifest in life as a gift in grace. This creation energy is a divine right imbued to every human being and animal on earth at this juncture in time. Do you receive it is the only question ahead. And our practice of recognizing keys last month. This is how we hone our intuition or inner knowing. It is our practice of observing testing, doing, and awaiting outcomes based on history. 
It is also how we break those historically destructive cycles and programs. Now, October, 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 the eight, the number eight. So if you know me, you know I love numbers as well as word formations, history, etymology. And if you don't know that, you're going to come to know it. So October is imbued with the number eight. It is a reflection of infinite energy, a month in which the leaves fall and die and are filtered back to earth, a month in which the trees must hold faith that although there is change afoot, it is time for resting, renewal, and moving into eternal knowing that in springtime, the cycle continues on. Now I'm feeling in a bit of a teasing mood today, and I could talk all day about numbers and word meaning, the symbology behind everything in our life and the sacred beauty it holds, but onward. So we have three big themes for October, and these just felt so right to me when they came down. The first is devotion to embodiment. Now devotion, what does devotion mean? So many words we use without taking in their full and beautiful meaning. Devotion is a form of consecration. It is a loyalty, a fealty, an allegiance, an act of worship, a promise, or a pledge. Consecration, for those who don't know, is a separating the sacred from the common. It is a ritual dedication to God. Now, embodiment, we think that's just, well, we know what that means. Embodiment, 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 taking that in, understanding that embodiment is our manifestation of the physical body. Manifest is to discover. It is our manifestation, our discovery of the physical body. It is a process and a practice. So really rolling through the meaning that has imbued into words over thousands and thousands of years and taking in how deeply these words hold power in how they are used and in also how they are neglected. This is why, and if you work with me, you know why mantra becomes such a powerful tool in our practice. Even if we look at Sanskrit, which is the grandmother of so many languages that exist still to this day. This is why certain mantras in Sanskrit hold these deep reverberating vibratory fields, not only in their physical intonation, but the ways in which these words were used in worship and healing for millennia and all the vibratory accord, all the chi and prana and karma that is built into these vibrations can reverberate out and offers healing to the world around it. So our devotion to embodiment. Over the years in practice, I have seen incredible conditioning and disconnect with clients and patients that affects their ability to be present and embodied. People who punish themselves with food, people who punish their bodies with exercise, people use sex as a coping mechanism, people who use avoidance as a protective mechanism, folks who have been sick and feel betrayed by their bodies, people who have been persecuted persecuted or bullied for how their body looks or expresses. 
you name it, I've seen it, and I'm sure most of you listening have experienced one, if not multiple, of these experiences on this list. Sadly, they're very common human experiences. So much of this baggage that we begin to carry with us that was projected onto us, uh, often at young ages, and then continues to burden us throughout our lives. So many of us operate in fear and judgment in order to feel better about ourselves. But this idea that from such a young, impressionable age, there is a disengagement for many humans regarding their embodiment, the house in which our soul and spirit resides in this lifetime as we see it incarnated or made flesh. Oftentimes, these diseases of embodiment are those that are a collective or societal disorder being reflected back onto others. Unfortunately, often others are, especially teenagers. This is my opinion. I haven't done a scientific survey about it, but in my work, this is potentially one of the most projected upon groups at the tenderest of ages. It's where these tender spirits are at this crux, this crossroads of leaving childhood and transitioning to adulthood. This is these impressionable junctures that then they become burdened with these baggages and projections that we carry carry through with us into adult life. So I want you to think of a time where you saw something in the larger consciousness that then influenced your experience of embodiment. It could have been overhearing a nasty comment someone said about you. It could have been feeling disgust with yourself after engaging in overeating. It could have been shame regarding your sexual preference or expression. It could have been a traumatic moment after experiencing or witnessing a fight or an act of violence. It could have been a moment where you received a diagnosis from a healthcare professional. Now, I want you to remember, think of a time, typically age seven or younger, when you felt absolutely free, absolutely fearless, absolutely joyful. And then ask yourself, when did that stop? Now, I want to take a little sidebar for those in the audience who maybe never felt these free feelings at a young age. And this can be a sign of childhood, neglect, abuse, uh, illness, something else going on in that child's world. If this is the case for you, just take a moment and tenderly hold yourself in acknowledgement that this was your experience. And we hold and support you in love with that. And as I always say, if you feel like you need local support, please reach out to a healthcare provider or knowledgeable professional in your local area. So we can see where we've been, that free, joy-filled child, and then how did we get to a space where we've morphed into an adult full of fear, anxiety, disdain, judgment? Where did all of that come from? It could have come from family members, could have come from schoolmates, could have come from colleagues, advertising, larger organizational structures such as educational institutions, government, corporate messaging, 
So we can now see where we are in this current moment in relation to embodiment. We see where we were as children, and we see the inputs that may have misled us along the way. We see the abuses that may have misled us along the way. We see the judgments and projections that may have misled us along the way. So let's take an inventory. You can do this quickly now, but I would also over the next month set aside some time to work with this. Make it a practice for yourself. And we ask ourselves the question, just first thing that comes to mind, how does my body feel today? When was a time my body felt best? What do I think about my body? What do other people think about my body? What do I continue to carry? projections or baggage that is not mine to hold. Oftentimes I would see clients carrying around these big baggages, family stories, old relationship stories, things people had told them that were untrue about themselves, yet we continue to carry them and it burdens down our energetic field, burdens down our body, burdens down our spirit. So if you're journaling with this, just let it throw, flow through you there is no correct answer, but it can be helpful to begin letting some of the projections we have towards our bodies unfurl so we can begin to understand the truth that our bodies are the divine vessel of life, of experience, of sacredness, and that we begin to act accordingly. In the process, as we get and move towards devotion, we have the opportunity to break any negative cycles or programs that may be running in your energy field. One very simple rule of thumb, I would work with clients and patients with this over the years, is when we were talking about our bodies to ourselves, or talking about someone else's body is to not use any language that we wouldn't use with a young child. This is especially useful when there have been very negative patterns regarding negative self-talk, regarding weight, health, appearance. We begin to use language or words that are uplifting and kind to oneself. And there are different stages of this practice. If you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out. There are also practices if you are working on embodiment issues as it relates to intimacy and partnership that can be helpful, but that is a whole, whole other show, a whole other masterclass, and there's more to come on that. Kate Strakehosh, intimacy doula, who was on um, last month, we're putting together a masterclass on relationship, intimacy, sacred sexuality, and how to reconnect um, back with yourself, your sacred self. So now, what does devotion to embodiment mean? As we noted before, devotion is the consecration, the separating of common from sacred and beginning to really understand the depth and the wonder and the amazement your body holds. Our body is the house of our soul and spirit. 
Our body is how we interface and interact with others around us. Our body is how we experience pain and pleasure, joy and sorrow, heartache and bliss. It's become trite to say that we joke about, albeit uncomfortably, that my body is a temple, but that is exactly what it is. It is an exalted work of art that God perfectly shaped and molded just for you. With that said, we know life isn't perfect and that we experience suffering and heartache, accidents and illness. It is our body that keeps us safe through all of that until the day it doesn't. Until the day where we move onward from this earthly plane, and I say that with great reverence and respect for anyone out there dealing with grief and grieving over the loss of their own relationship with their body through illness or anyone grieving the passing of a loved one. How do we invite devotion into our lives? We can start small. We can start small inviting this devotion in. We can start with taking in nourishment or pleasure in caring for your body. Savor your food, bless your body, make love and not war. Speak kindly to yourself and to others around you. Express your thoughts, feelings, and desires in a way that feels sacred and authentic. All our bodies want to do is be in love. That is the ultimate. That is what everyone seeks out. This is the devotional practice to give love, to receive love, to let your body be in love. It is built from the inside out when we realize, when we take into our knowing that we are, that we are love embodied. Now, as you work with this theme of devotion to embodiment, we can use a mantra, again, a phrase or key that holds a vibration, that holds a chord in healing to the energy field at deep levels. The mantra I like to use for this is, my body is sacred, my body is love, my body is bliss. My body is sacred, my body is love, my body is bliss. My body is sacred, my body is love, my body is bliss. And once we say that, we feel the vibratory impact on our nervous system, on our energy fields. We begin to know this and we begin to embody this. Now going along with our devotion to embodiment, we have to build in devotional practice. Now our bodies are designed for practice. It is the greatest gift that they can show up for us day in and day out as we put our bodies through the most ridiculous processes. I mean, think about your work day and all the ridiculous things our bodies need to contort themselves into sitting at a desk, holding steady during infuriating meetings. If you have a commute, you've got to be crammed up against one another on a train, plane, automobile, staying calm and present in the face of adversity. All these experiences are ridiculous when you begin to think about ourself as sacred, when you begin to think about our body as sacred. 
So how do we build devotional practice? We build in time. We put our body first. We stop with judgments and projections. Again, that means we talk kindly to ourselves and to others. If your body is sacred, so is the person's next to you. So we can ask ourselves, how are you caring for your body? How do you wake up in the morning? How do you bathe yourself? Do you rush in and out of the shower or do you take your time feeling your skin, exfoliating your skin, lotioning your skin, really feeling the water as it cleanses you? How do you nourish yourself? Do you grab a bagel out the door in the car on your way to work? Or do you build in some time, make yourself some beautiful herbal tea in the morning, create a ritual around the breakfast, the foods you most like to eat in the morning, take your time and pleasure to eat them? What is the most delicious way it feels to move your body? Do you get a thrill from skydiving? Do you love trudging out in nature? Do you love swimming in the ocean like I do? What feels really nourishing as you move your body? What brings you joy? How does that feel in your body? Do you enjoy a funny movie? Do you enjoy bantering with your best friend? Do you enjoy cooking for your lover? And what brings you pleasure? And how does that express in your body? Does food bring you pleasure? Does exercise bring you pleasure? Does lovemaking bring you pleasure? Does sleeping bring you pleasure? And now, if you've been dealing with illness, this is something I would run up to oftentimes with people. Do you feel betrayed by your body? Do you feel like your body let you down? Do you feel like if your body had been better, you wouldn't be sick? Do you feel that if you had gotten the care that you needed, that your body would have made it through your illness? Or can you understand that your body has been working for your highest self this whole time and make peace with all you need to make peace with? This is probably the, the one of the most difficult practices for people. It's understanding your body has not betrayed you and operating accordingly. If you need more guidance on this, again, feel free to reach out. We can set up a session. For me, this was one of the hardest reconciliations to make after I had been sick. So if my body was working for my highest self, and did not betray me, then who or what did? What did I need to reconcile? What did I need to take responsibility for? How did I need to show up in the world in order to resolve these feelings of betrayal? I once had a boyfriend who had difficulty believing in God, and the discussion was around World War II and the Holocaust. How could God have let something like that happen? And this is where we get into the discussion of God's perfect will and God's permissive will and the deep responsibility that comes along with being human. And I certainly don't have the answers, nor am I a biblical scholar. So 
if you have insights or input, I'd love to discuss them further, but this is just simply my take on it for whatever that's worth. So when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before the fall, there was this moment of bliss where they were unabashedly naked and living in a state of being, where there was no pain, no suffering, but it was their choice of choosing free will that God's permissive will was activated. And this is just one story, one tradition, one I'm familiar with, although, like I said, I'm no biblical scholar. This is just an insight into how my mind and body has processed and reconciled some of these traditional stories within the own context of my life. And if that resonates with you, amazing. If not, like I said, I'd love to continue the conversation and open up um, debate and new ways of thinking about things. But when the fall happened, we became ashamed and we were being asked at this moment in time to reconcile and reconnect our devotion to our bodily selves, that we were made in God's image and name, that we are divine children of God. And that means treating our bodies as such, not out of pressure, not out of fear, conditioning or programming, but simply in the acknowledgement that your body is a wondrous, blissful, sensual incarnation that processes all of your soul's suffering, joys, sadness, and bliss. We have now been somewhat <laughs> restricting and punishing ourselves forever since this time. And we have put so much emphasis on what our bodies look like and how they are perceived in the world. There is a constant struggle of what's right and what's wrong. And frankly, it's absurd. No matter what your body looks like, no matter how your body expresses, no matter how your body is perceived, take this in and know this and embody this, that your body is perfection incarnated. It has not betrayed you. It has not tricked you. It is perfection incarnated. If you have issues to work out in relationship with your body, do that. Let yourself be in relationship with your body. Let your body know that you feel angry, hurt, scared, betrayed. And it is this incarnation that seemingly brought you that suffering. But as we turn at the crux of suffering, it is our opportunity to be reborn in grace. This is devotional practice. We can think of a pregnant mother, one who engenders life. We can think of a protective father, one who instills justice and safety in the family. Think of a child, the unabashed joy and bliss in a child's laugh. Think of making love, how we experience sensuality and pleasure in ways beyond. The process of being embodied is just that, a process, a relationship, a practice, a moving into knowing your divinity and having reverence and respect for how beautiful life can be. That the devotion we have not only for our bodies extends to those surrounding us, that we no longer accept the discord of violence, that outwardly presented or inwardly inflicted, that we know we are consecrated as children of God, that we are devoted to ourself, our soul, our spirit, and our sacredness. With that, we give thanks and gratitude for all of it. So let's bring this back down. What does devotional practice to your body look like in your life? I can share what I've been doing. 
because you know I got a little burnt out with everything that's been going on in my life. But lately, my practice has been to take more time in grooming. This was always something that felt good for me in my younger years that I began to neglect in my clinical practice days. It served me to just throw a bun on my head and not wear any makeup, scrubs, rush out of the house. These days I'm enjoying those long hot showers where I'm taking my time to exfoliate, to shave, to oil myself in coconut and essential oils. These days I am enjoying brushing my hair and plucking my brows. These days I am enjoying putting on makeup when I feel called and playful. These days I am enjoying massaging the strain from my face with my favorite natural products, my gua sha or quartz rollers. These days I am enjoying resting in bed in the mornings. These days I am enjoying my meditation and my deep stretches of my yoga practice. These days I am enjoying my late afternoon yoga nidra where I feel the wind, the sand, the sun and the water, all the elements holding me and embracing me in their magic. These are my ways. So I would ask you, what bodily tasks are you enjoying? What bodily tasks are you not enjoying? Which tasks can you move from task into ritual or devotion? When you make love with your partner or yourself, is it a task, a ritual, or devotion? How would you like to shift these relationships? we can continue to show up for ourselves. The most important healing we can do is to be in presence, in embodiment during our journey on earth. Again, building in a ritual to your day. That is your magical time for devotion. It is time to slow down. It is time to be sensual of the senses. And I can make some gentle suggestions. I love the sipping of herbal tea, taking in some plant medicine and quietude during the sunrise, letting your body behold the new day. You can take a beautiful after-dinner walk by yourself or with a loved one. Meditation and journaling on how your body supports you and loves you throughout your day. You can bless and pray over your food or water before ingesting it. Remembering that devotion is an act of consecration, the separating of the sacred from the common. Remember, you are sacred, you are divine, and you are a blessing to everyone around you. Know this, embody this. Devote yourself to the process and blessing of embodiment. And in your practice, we can use the mantra I am growing in devotion. I am growing in devotion. I am growing in devotion. Or, I like this one too. I am building myself. I am building my soul. I am building my spirit. I am building myself, my soul, my spirit. I am building myself, my soul, my spirit. And feeling that move through your energetic field. Now, lastly, and I love this theme that came up for the month, 
the articulation of desire. And what does this all mean? Articulation is something to provide continued clarity. It is also related to the idea of joints, of joining this union energy, that it is through union that we are renowned and are asking to offer distinction of our desire to provide extreme clarity, not only to ourself, but to others. It is often through fear or projection of others wounding that we do not let ourselves acknowledge, let alone articulate our desire. Desire is not a want or need. Needs are resources, things that are necessary to sustain life. Now, if we're at a juncture where needs are not being articulated or met, that's another conversation. But for the sake of this conversation, we will assume most of us have the resources that we need, food, water, shelter, warmth. Now, wants is a type of desire, but it is in resonance with lack. We can think of it as a little kid wanting candy at the shop. They have a tantrum because they aren't getting what they want. Think of people in your life who you want to behave in a certain way. And they don't necessarily want to go along for the ride. Now, if we flip that, we can think of someone in your life you desire. So a want is not something or someone you need, but you are operating in relationship to it through lack. And a desire is not something or someone you need, but is instead a sensual desire, a sensual yearning, sensual yearning. It is something the senses are asking to interact with. It is often in relationship to sexual feelings, but we can also have desire for material items, food, experiences, people. So now we understand the difference between needs, wants, and desires. And the guides are asking us to continue to act with more clarity and specificity as we move into higher vibratory accord that as long as our needs are being met, that we move from a place of desire rather than want. It is an inverse approach where we begin to take more pleasure and conscious sensuality of the senses in relationship to our life. This ties deeply in with our previous theme of devotion to embodiment. It is through our bodies that we worship, that we express, that we desire that we open up to feeling. Now this type of articulation can feel overwhelming to some, depending on where you are at on your healing journey. So let's bring this back down to earth. What could this look like in your life? And one of the keys that came forward for me recently is my relationship with food. In my younger days, um, <laughs> food and I had a very strange relationship. Much of the, what I thought was correct and right behavior or relationship to food was social projections that I had internalized in terms of how a girl or woman should behave or eat. It was reinforced by other girls and women feeling the same way. Now, I've moved into a space of healing in terms of my relationship with food 
even though I still often use it as an emotional comfort. But as my consciousness around this behavior has increased in awareness, and I've healed many internal imbalances, both physical and emotional, that amplified this behavior, I've started to invite myself into using food and my time eating as a space of pleasure. This permutation may feel very real to you if you're listening, or some variation thereof. But we can also look at the articulation of desire as it relates to your sexual life and partnership. I've often observed there can be such a wounded breaking in partnerships, especially as it relates to the divine dynamic dance between the masculine and feminine. There can be a breakdown in having needs and desires met in partnership. In my work with couples, probably 99% of the time, both partners actually want a deeper, more solid connection, but they get stuck at a wounding juncture and can't get out of this lack energy of, I want this, or I want you to do this. Now, just as an example, we can feel the shift if we move into expansive desire energy. Honey, I would desire you to do this for me. Or I feel so much desire towards blank doing this activity with you. Opening up that space instead of the wanting shutting it down, the desiring opens up a space to allow healing to take place. A mantra we can use regarding the articulation of desire is I open to desire I open to grace. I open to desire. I open to grace. I open to desire. I open to grace. These were some deep and juicy themes for the month. So as you begin to follow along to the etheric updates and we build and grow this energy with each other as a community, our growth, our power, and our knowing is only amplified. This is the beauty of healing work is it ripples out in the most incredible ways that are really unimaginable. Now, if you are feeling called to work together with me, know this. I have always worked with people during some of the most difficult and beautiful moments of their lives. And even though I've moved into a space of working through guidance and coaching with remote sessions, we continue to build a beautiful healing field with one another. For those of you who don't know me, I work with people in a number of ways. I work with people trying to start a family helping women and partnerships connect deeply so that they can be on their conception journey in a more conscious way. I have a program that's in beta testing right now. So if you go to the website, um, theetheric.com and find the space for creative conscious conception, offer code TTC gets you a really generous discount as well as a free session with me. So that's a really nice way, a really nice entry point if you're curious about the work. Like I said, it's in the beta testing phase, so I'll ask you a little feedback from that if you do take the program. I also work with people suffering from burnout. 
So I help you turn that nervous breakdown into a nervous breakthrough with our program from burnout to boundaries. And this has become such a special one uh, to me, especially at this juncture in my life where I'm working on some of my own alignment issues as it relates to burnout. So it's a really beautiful time to be working with me on that. And then I also work with people wanting a more soulful life through the sacred soul sessions. And these are just uh, incredible. I, I love the sessions that I've been doing with folks lately and how they are lighting up in their transformation. So my goal is to always give the healing back into your empowered hands. You all are my greatest gift and teacher. So with a big thanks for listening today, if you are interested in learning more, you can like, subscribe, leave a review or question for this podcast on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, or Google. And to stay up to date on my most current workshops, events, programs, the best, the best platform for that is my Instagram at Catherine Craig Etheric. So if our discussion moved or resonated with you, don't forget to share it with a friend. And if you liked the episode or have an experience you want to share, feel free to send me a DM or leave a comment. And there is so much more to come. So thank you again with all the gratitude in my heart. And I will see you next episode.